have a secret that we share with people. When we pray for people, things happen. And when we don't pray for people, nothing happens. <laughs> and it's pretty it's, profound. It's that simple. This is the Unseen Story firsthand accounts that reveal God's love and power in the lives of His children. What God has done for our storytellers, He lives to do for you. Hey, everybody. It's Adam and Brooke. Hello, and happy, happy new year. We hope you had a wonderful Christmas. So today's episode is uh, some friends of ours, John and Eva. I had met them at an outreach event down in South Dallas. It was put on by a guy named Torben from Denmark. Um, I heard their testimony there and introduced myself and we connected with them recently over Zoom and they're up in Idaho and uh, it's a sweet, sweet story. Yeah, I love so much of their story. It's really cool. Pretty amazing couple. Yeah. So we hope you guys enjoy. You're listening to John and Eva's story, Leaving the Pew. Yeah, my name's John Doherty. I'm from uh, Jerome, Idaho. Nobody knows where that is. But anyway, uh, I've been a Christian 41 years now. Well, I just want to say my name is Eva, and um, I've been married to John for 37 years. Uh, we've had three children together. It's been an amazing 37 years. I shouldn't even be a Christian. Uh, a friend of mine in college told me he wouldn't pray for me. He said I was a waste of time and breath. So this tells you where I came from. So I, I have a two-part story where Jesus Christ miraculously saved me in my room, August fourth, nineteen eighty, at a time where at a time where I hated everything and everybody, and like I said, my friend wouldn't even pray for me, and uh, it was a miraculous, miraculous conversion. I I just fell in love with them. And when I went to church and all of a sudden they're talking about a building program and an Easter egg hunt, I go, wait a minute. I don't think that's it. Where's Jesus? I started going into prison. I started going to San Quentin Penitentiary to tell men about Jesus every week. I was so excited because he saved my life, which I do not deserve. Men in, men in prison would say, why did he come in your room August 4th, 1980? And I would tell him, I think the show he's a bad judge of character. Not, I, I would have never picked me in a hundred years. Nobody in the room would have. But if there's hope for me, there's hope for everybody. So let me back up a little bit. When, growing up, I was a really, really happy kid. I remember at 12 years old, I was so happy. I was happy to be alive. I was free. I was just, my life was really a joy. And we were going to a Baptist church. And when you turn 12, they start putting pressure on you to come forward and get your ticket to heaven. They were looking at me and saying, there's somebody out there that needs to come forward or needs to get saved. And so I was sweating in the back. And finally, I went forward. You know, I, I, I whew, what a relief. And they were all hallelujah, high-fiving. John's a Christian now. They gave me my ticket to heaven. They never talk about the Holy Spirit. They talked about the Holy Ghost, which used to scare me. You know, ghost. That's a bad thing. I don't want a ghost. But anyway, at age 12, a terrible thing happened that year. I was responsible for the death of my nephew, who was five years old. It was an accident, but because of me, he died. And basically, my life was over. It was done. A 12-year-old cannot deal with that. The anger, the hurt, the shame, the guilt, it was just overpowering. But I still called myself a Christian and would still go to the Baptist church with my parents. And everything was good as long as I had that support group. When I was 19 years old on board a ship during Vietnam, 
when all the guys went to shore and were having a good time and I was sitting on the ship saying, I'm a Christian and I can't go and do those things. I all of a sudden took a hard look at that ticket to heaven and I'm going, this thing's worthless. I have no joy, no peace, no hope, no love. I got nothing. And I, that day, I remember the day, I remember the day and I looked up into heaven. I said, God, you could have stopped what happened when I was 12 and you didn't. Therefore, you're not a nice God. And I shook my fist at him and I went out and got drunk for the first time in my life with my friends. All of a sudden I had friends. I was getting, I was having a good time and I, I just threw the ticket away. And so I started breathing fire against Christians and breathing fire against the church. And, and just if somebody said they were a Christian, I'd get right in their face and just start calling them names and hypocrite. And most of the time it was true because I met religious people. I never met a real Christian until 1980, which was weird. I tell people I never became one because I never saw one. But I was building homes up in Chico, California. I went to Chico State University because I heard it was the biggest party school in America after Vietnam. And I went there. And after that, I started building homes as a carpenter. And this guy came down from Alaska, and he was going to help us build. He had a beard. He was a big, manly guy. And I thought, wow, he'll be a good drinking buddy because I was an alcoholic. And I judged men by how manly they were. To me, Christians were a bunch of pencil necks. You don't, don't even talk to them. You know what I mean? They were weak and wimpy. At break time, he sits down and opens a Bible. And I almost fell over. I said, what? Wait a minute. What is this? Because I already put him in the man slot. And I could see he was an ex-drug addict. And I'm going, this is really, what is this? I was actually drawn towards this, what, what was inside of him. For the first time in my life, I had a glimpse of who Jesus was inside of a human being. But one day I told him, I said, I don't need God. I said, I'm up here. God's down here. I don't need him. He is for old, weak people. I don't need him. And within a couple of weeks, God went, all of a sudden, I buried a skill saw in my leg about that deep. While I was getting better, my wife, not this wife, ran off with a grocery clerk. I got a job cutting wood and got poison oak and didn't get paid. And basically, I was at my wit's end. I probably could have been committed to a you know, mental institution, my, my mindset. I was just so messed up. But anyway, August 4th, 1980, I went to my room. And I prayed, God, kill that woman. She has hurt me so bad because it was very hurtful. And he didn't answer that prayer. But Jesus came into my room, August 4th, 1980. I didn't see a light and I didn't hear a voice, but I, I felt him. And I'm thinking, uh, I think you have the wrong room. And I felt his presence. It was amazing. I think Isaiah said, we see him, you know, all of a sudden we can see who we are. Job said, I've heard of you, but now that I see you, I detest myself. And basically came in my room and said, it's time for you to lose your life. So I, I had a hard decision. I, I argued with him. I said, I'll go to church. I'll quit punching people. And he said, no, you have to get out, totally out. And I said, oh, I can't be a Christian. I hate those people. I did. I seriously did. I said, I, I said, okay, I surrender. All of a sudden, what? He filled me with love and joy and peace and hope. And I cried for the first time in seven years because angry people don't cry. They just get more angry. But his love broke me. I mean, there was probably a puddle of tears there, just of joy and peace and hope. And I want to show you a picture of what repentance looks like because the next morning, nobody talked to me. I got up and drove four hours and got in front of the woman who had left me for another man 
And I said, please forgive me for being such a terrible husband. And she went, what? <laughs> like, what happened to you? I said, I don't know, but Jesus is alive. And anyway, so this is the this is the the start of my journey, and I just couldn't wait to tell people about Jesus, who saved my life, totally undeserving, totally not deserving his his love and mercy and goodness. And and like I started going to church, and and they're talking about an Easter egg hunt in a building program, and I'm going, where's Jesus? And I I would go to the pastors and say, when do when do I get to speak? I want to talk and tell about Jesus, and and we just didn't have the tools to bring people to him. We could just bring them to church. Now we have tools. Now we can assess where is somebody at. Do they need to hear the gospel? Now we can share the gospel. Let's see. Maybe they do they need deliverance. Uh, do they need prayer for healing? Do they need? We can we can assess the situation and kind of see where people are at and give them what they need. And this is the most exciting thing about the whole thing. When we started living this life, finally. Seven years ago, seeing a man online living this life just shocked me. He was living the book of Acts. I'm going, wait, that's the Christian life. I sat in church reading John 14, 12, where Jesus said, you know, when I leave, you'll see greater things. I'm going, what is greater than zero? Every time I go to church and say, can I speak? No, no, no. And, and then they give a sermon. If you have a gift, we want, you, we want to use you. So I would go up to him. Hey, I, I want to teach Sunday school. Well, actually, we're looking for a bus driver. Oh, okay. Well, why didn't you say that? You know, and it was so frustrating not being able to to talk about him and speak about him because I was so in love with him. So I've always had that. And so then when I read a book about happening today, somebody healing people today, and then I started getting online and finding, wow, mm -hmm. this is for today. So then I started seeing things on YouTube, and then that's when I saw Torben, and that, that the rest is history. So we just started, we kick-started ourselves. We went out and started praying for people, and we've been running ever since. We've seen probably close to 600 people healed now, and uh, we've baptized over 200 people. So now our lives are way, way more effective, and we do it in a casual manner. That's what's neat. We don't have to get worked up, and it's just when it's casual, it's so much better. We minister wherever we're at. We don't get together and say, okay, we're going to go out on Friday at 7. No. It's where are, where, where are we? Are we at the dentist's office? Are we at the post office? Are we at Walmart? Where are we? And it's so funny. One of us will say, well, I have to go to Walmart just to get this one thing. And we're gone for an hour and a half. Okay, what happened? Well, I met this person. They got healed. This person. It's like you can never. It's impossible to make a quick trip. I don't know why everybody that needs healing goes to Walmart, though. It's kind of amazing. Christians who have the Holy Spirit need to realize that the, we have all power and authority. We just need to step out. Our main goal is to share the gospel with people. But Jesus said to heal the sick and to cast out the demons too, because those get people's attention. Mm -hmm. And that's when they can experience the power of God or freedom or something. And, and that opens them up, not always, but a lot of times it opens them up so that we can share the gospel with them. And, and that is the main reason we do those things, not that we're all focused on healing, not that we're all focused on Living. casting out demons and deliverance. No, no. It's just we're doing those things because Jesus commanded us to do those things. And but we really our heart is to share the gospel. And um, we have a secret that we share with people. When we pray for people, things happen 
And when we don't pray for people, nothing happens. <laughs> and it's pretty profound. It's, it's that simple. It's that simple. I think it gets their mind going towards wow, maybe there is a God, maybe Jesus is alive, maybe Jesus is real. I talked to a girl yesterday in, in Lowe's, she was pagan, and she was really uncomfortable around me. But I just told her, you know, I said, we have a lot in common. I said, I don't like religion. I don't go to church. Oh, what? That that disarms people. We have home church. Uh, it disarms people. And uh and then I just started saying, you know, Jesus, I just share my testimony with her. Can I pray for you? Do you have fear, anxiety, and depression? Yes. Can I pray for you? No. Okay. You have to meet people where they're at. You can't push too far. But yeah, the tools now are just, it's really wanting people to find the, the, the Savior that I found August 4th, 1980. That's that's my main goal. I would read the book of Acts and, and just wonder, you know, just wonder, I wonder how come things like this don't happen today? not having any idea that they could, but it's just like, you know, so I wasn't really looking like John exactly, but as soon as we started watching the lessons, it was a revelation. But we, we were watching the lessons. We got to lesson five, which was talking about healing. And we looked at each other and said, I think this is real. And so we just went out to the mall, both of us together years ago, didn't know what we we're going to do. What we're going to see, I'll let you tell the rest. Well, yeah. So we needed something at Radio Shack. So we went into Radio Shack. And um, no one was in there except these two employees. And John started sharing the gospel with these two young people. And and I would have been happy for that being our first night out, you know. But um, another lady started walking in the store. And in my mind, I'm praying, God, get her out of here. Because he's sharing the gospel with those two people. But God did not get her out of there. He brought her over to me, and I started talking to her and found out she had pain in her neck, and I just prayed for her, and the pain left. And then um, I started talking to her about the Holy Spirit, and um, I'm not sure if she got the Holy Spirit when I prayed or God just really touched her, but something happened, and and it was really good good for her. And and that was our first night out. I don't remember exactly what we said, but we were nervous, of course. You learn by doing, and don't let fear stop you from doing this. Just go out. The Lord will be with you. Um, and, and just realize that you will make some mistakes, but it's okay. Yeah. And it, it doesn't matter age. We were in Denmark for two months, and there was young people there from 21 countries, and everybody was on the same page. It was like being in heaven. We're all done with religion. We're all going to move forward with Jesus Christ and in the power of the Holy Spirit. And uh, it's funny, the young people would say, oh, it's so good to see older people doing this. We'd say, no, 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 it's good to see younger people. Yeah. So it's, it's, kind of a, it's kind of a neat thing. It's, it's an awesome life. There's no going back to the pew, you know, for us. I see why they call it pew, you know, pew. There's no, we can't go, you can't go back after you've tasted of this life. It's just something happens inside of you. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I don't tell people don't go to church. I never will because I, God told me to go to a church one time and the pastor got saved and filled with the Holy Spirit and then died six months later. And I would have missed all of that if I would have just said, ah, this is wrong. No, if he tells you to go to Kingdom Hall, go. Do, do what the Holy Spirit tells you to do. This is what I tell people. But for me, it's hard to go back because, uh, I don't know, it's just I feel like I'm being manipulated and I can't be used. How, when do I get to get used? 
So now the streets, the streets are our pulpit and people, normal people go out into the world, Jesus said, and uh, live this life and now home church. So it's. Yeah. And, and people did, you just run into, even over the phone, we've had things happen. We had one healing by text. Somebody's had bad tooth pain and we prayed and texted her back. And right when she read the text, the pain left. So, I mean, God can use any of the technology that we have. Don't, please don't feel like you have to be in person with people. You can call, I've cast out demons over the phone. Uh, so you can do all this. You can heal people over the phone, uh, on Zoom. <laughs> any, any technology, God is in it all. He can use it all. It's just God touching people, drawing people. It was amazing. I, sal- I met a lady in Montana a couple weeks ago, and I, I saw she was limping. I said, can I pray for you? No. I said, well, you know, I don't go to church, and I don't like religion. She goes, in that case, you can pray for me. <laughs> and it's just like, wow, because people are really fed up with, you know, the status quo, what we grew up with, you know, hanging out, looking at the back of somebody's head. They really do want to see something that's real and alive. And today, it's today, it's the power of God. It says in Acts 8, they couldn't wait to hear what Philip had to say. Why? Because demons were coming out screaming and the lame were walking. This is really what we need. I was so shy before I met the Lord, I couldn't even talk in front of two people. I was just, it just blows my mind. And I hated everybody. It just, it blows my mind to think that I went into jail and hugged the neck of a child molester. I'm going... Wow, he really changed my life. <laughs> Seriously, that's when you start realizing how much he has changed you. His, His love. love is transforming, yeah. for sure. So we called that story Getting Out of the Pew. Uh, it's sort of tongue-in-cheek because of John's comment about, I see why they call it the pew. <laughs> Meaning that it smells. Yeah, he has a quirky um, sense of humor that I just adore. He kept me laughing. I think many people can relate to that. That you have this passion for Jesus once you get saved. You have this encounter that's really tangible, mm-hmm. and then sometimes you get into the church and it becomes more formulaic. And I think that's what's really cool about their story is that they were they felt kind of stuck and they were looking, searching. I think for twenty years that mm-hmm. basically they had tried a bunch of different churches until they found uh, this ministry of Torben's, which he has a, a, a following on YouTube. You can search if you're looking for Torben. Um, they came out with a couple movies, mm. but then they have this thing called the Pioneer Schools, which right. um, John references. And that those Pioneer Schools really gave them some pretty practical tools where they could take their passion for Jesus out and share it with people and yeah. actually be the church mm. rather than inviting people to church hey we we have what we need and let's go be the church out at walmart out at radio shack out at you know wherever you are we're doing ministry wherever we are Mm -hmm. wherever you are you have an opportunity to be the church and to love on people and um to show the love of christ and i think the way john and eva are doing it is really um amazing and beautiful because they're taking away the offense that most people feel when it comes to the quote unquote church. And I think that that is profound and we could learn a lot from John and Eva. The offense, what do you, what do you mean? People are offended by religion? I don't know. Yeah. I think people are offended by religion. They're offended by like, 
you know, like oftentimes you can say kind of like what John said, Hey, can I pray for you? And they're like, no, thanks. Okay. And the fact that he said, Hey, you know what? I'm not religious and I don't go to church. You and I have a lot in common. Hmm. That's powerful to me. And, and that, that might not be everyone's approach. Everyone is so uniquely made like a snowflake, you know, and a fingerprint. So everyone is going to come at this, um, in their own way. And, and I think that that's the way God intended it. So what John and Eva use to approach others is not what you and I are going to use, but it's definitely a catalyst for something that's bigger than ourselves, you know, um, bigger than the four walls of a church. And people are looking for something. They're looking for hope and they're looking for what's real. And you say it all the time. We've got it. We've we've got the best news. It is the most powerful, most sustainable, most mm-hmm. hope-filled, joy-filled, beautiful, incredible, powerful message there is in the entire world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they tell a good story. Mm-hmm. Like that's, it's true to John's testimony Yeah, that he doesn't go to church and he doesn't like religion mm-hmm. because it resonates with him and it's, and it's what Jesus encountered him and it broke through that hurt and wounding that he had. And I think there's a lot of people out there like that. When you meet people where they are, guards are dropped. And I think that is beautiful and fun. (laughs) So we hope you guys enjoyed this story. Yeah, so our hope is that, you know, here's a couple that's in their 70s, I think, that's on fire, rejuvenated, refreshed. They're living... um, they got an RV now and they're traveling around just excited about Jesus and the gospel. And Come on. So I just hope that that um, encourages you uh, wherever you are in your journey with Jesus that there's, um, there's more available. Amen. There's nothing boring when it comes to Jesus, that's for sure. It's an adventure. So much so that they had to get an RV. <laughs> So it's pretty cool. Yeah. So, um, we love you guys. Thanks for joining us. Yeah. Thanks for listening in on this first week of 2022. We encourage you to ask Holy Spirit what he wants to say to you through this story. We invite you to partner with us through your God-given resources of time, prayer, and finances. Without your sharing, these stories don't spread to those who need them. Without your prayers, we are limited in what we can do for the kingdom. Without your finances, these powerful stories of God's supernatural love go untold. God has called us to share his stories, and we invite you to be a part of that mission. For more information, be sure to check out our website at theunseenstory.org. Thanks so much for listening.